Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. The opening practice running for the returning Portuguese Grand Prix took place today at the Algarve International Circuit and the action from FP1 and FP2 at Portimao is the subject of our latest bite-sized podcast. Now, as I work on my usual Friday feature based on the action from today that you can read later on tonight on autosport.com plus, I'm going to hand over to my colleagues, Autosport's technical editor Jake Boxall-Leg and Jonathan Noble, F1 editor at motorsport.com, who will guide you through all the big talking points of the day's F1 action in Portugal. Over to you, Jake and John. Thank you, Alex. And yes, after 24 years away, Formula One finally got underway for a Grand Prix weekend in Portugal at the Algarve circuit. And so far, the star of the Friday show has been Valtteri Bottas, who headed both FP1 and FP2, setting a 1 minute 17.940 in the latter session for the fastest lap of the day. And I'm joined by Jonathan Noble, Motorsport.com's F1 editor, to discuss the Friday fallout, of which there was plenty in Portugal. Now, John, unlike last time, we've got some Friday action to actually talk about. Uh, So, first of all, what are your impressions of the uh, Algarve circuit? It looks like a bit of a challenge for the drivers, doesn't it? Yeah, I thought it looked great, actually. Um, I remember doing a piece a few years ago with um, speaking to Herman Tilke about track designs, because he's had a fairly big battering over the years for some of his tracks, some of which aren't great, some of which which are all right. And he said to me, one of the one of the greatest um, assets a racetrack can have, uh, and you think of the, the tracks we like, Suzuka, Spa, uh, even Austin to some extent, is elevation. Um, I think it's really, really underrated aspect of a racetrack. Um, you know, Sochi, flat as a pancake, really boring. Spa, Suzuka, fantastic. Uh, and I think we've got to put Porto up there as well. And that, I mean, the shots of the last corner, um, as they swoop downs like a, 
um, you know, as, as great as anything we see at Suzuka. And I, I also like that shot where they, um, from the start finish rate, they pop up over the horizon onto start finish rate, then then dive down again. So yeah, I've I've really really liked the spectacle today. Excellent. Yeah, it does look really, really good. I think, to be honest with you, my bar is lowered so far to not Paul Ricard, and this is not Paul Ricard, so uh, it gets my stamp of approval. Um, but yes, Bottas was uh, fastest uh, in both sessions today, and Hamilton was only down in eighth in FP2, but that was perhaps helped by him encountering traffic on his fast run. But John, is this Bottas looking good like he did at the Nürburgring when he eventually got pole, or is it just him sort of again adapting to that not yet rubbed circuit if you like um i think it's a bit of a messy day all told really i think it's quite hard to gauge really where where people are at um you know fp2 wasn't really representative of anything that the first half hour taken up by the these new tire tests um then they got a little bit of running done then the red flag for gasly then a little bit more running done then the red flag for verstappen stroll um so it wasn't really enough time for people to get into the rhythm um and i think valtteri often has this trait of hitting the ground running and then Lewis seems to play catch up, but, you know, hits his stride when it matters, which is qualifying. So um, I think it's promising that Valtteri is, you know, is there and isn't, isn't coming from behind. Um, but um, I think we'll know more, much more tomorrow and more, more representative. And, you know, Lewis just has this knack of a bad Friday turns into a brilliant Saturday. Certainly. And I think I think practice is definitely there to sort of make your mistakes early. So, you know, what not to do in the big sessions. But yeah, that certainly seems to be the case. Uh, and as you said, FP2 was was very interrupted. Two red flags, uh, one for Pierre Gasly's rather spectacular blowout, which required quite a lot of work from the Marshalls fire extinguishers. Fernando Alonso did once say that the uh, the Honda engine was a little bit like a GP2 engine. And as we've watched in F2 over the last couple of years, there's been a few similar fires or Bruno barbecues, as I like to call them. Uh, <laughs> the other one was a clash between Max Verstappen and Lance Stroll down at turn one. Now, John, uh, can you talk us through that? Because it was a bit of a messy one again, wasn't it? Um, yeah, messy and unnecessary. Um, it's very, very rare that drivers collide in um, practice sessions like this and I think what was remarkable about it was um the live cameras at the time you were on board with Max and you could just sense this wasn't going to go very well um you, you saw Lance had gone by and then he expected Max to back off and leave a bit of a gap as they started the lap and he didn't do that he tucked right under Lance's slipstream opened DRS pulled alongside him and then I think you saw what we see as an aspect of the Honda as it runs out of energy at the end of a end of the long straight so as the Honda ran out of energy, the Merc was still going. So Lance then suddenly pulled a little bit in front. So it was, you know, a touch of Max's um, left front wheel against Lance's right rear wheel as they they went into, into the zone. You thought, right, one of them's going to do the sensible thing here and back out. Um, but I think, unfortunately, um, neither did. So I think Lance turned in not realizing that Max was there. Max turned in expecting Lance have got out of the way. Um, and in the end, I mean, it could have been a massive accident because it's, it's a pretty quick corner, um, 170, 180 miles an hour. I mean, Lance could have been tipped over, um, could have been much, much worse than it actually was. But uh, yeah, very silly instant. Um, uh, yeah, Max's uh, colourful language on the radio afterwards wasn't too, uh, wasn't too hot either. No, that's probably, uh, it was a bit iffy to say the least but Stroll has definitely had a little bit of a time of it in the last few races obviously went out in Mugello knocked out in the first lap at Sochi obviously missed last weekend as well due to illness uh, this is not going to be something that he's wanted is it 
No, I mean, it's been an amazing season in, for, for Racing Point, really, because I can't think of a race where they've just rocked up on the Thursday, had no controversy on Friday, Saturday or Sunday or incidents or any big talking point and left without something hang, hanging over the team. Um, so poor Will Hings, their, their PR officer, I think, you know, he'll be desperate for a weekend of not having to firefight something. Um, it's been incredible. But yeah, Stroll, um, you know, under fire, um, from all quarters about the you know the controversy of his coronavirus test and leaving Germany and then only testing on his return home, then keeping the result quiet. Um, Racing Point have been on the receiving end of it too. Received a, a reminder from the FIA about a need to be transparent and inform them. Um, so another difficult weekend and on the back third. And I mean, and right now we're we're waiting for the stewards' verdict. So the stewards are, are meeting to discuss what to do. And I'd, I'd be very surprised if there wasn't some form of sanction for it because the FI don't look very nicely towards needless accidents in practice sessions. No, exactly. I'm keeping an eye on my uh, email inbox as it happens just to just to see if it comes in while we record this. Uh, it hasn't come in so far. Uh, we'll probably be oh, waiting. Has. Oh, has it? You want something live? Oh. No further action, basically. That's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stroll was on a fast lap and was allowed to pass by Verstappen on the lap preceding the incident. Uh, given the information from his team and usual practice, Verstappen assumed that Stroll would back off the next lap and move to overtake along the main straight. However, Stroll was instructed by his team to go for a second flying lap. Stroll assumed that Verstappen would have blocked, backed off to gain a gap between them, also in line with usual practice, and so was not looking for the overtaking of Verstappen. The drivers agreed in the hearing the incident was the result of a misunderstanding between them and that with hindsight, both could have contributed to avoid the incident. The stewards therefore find that neither driver was wholly or predominantly at fault and take no further action. So there we go. Live, live on air. <laughs> uh, I don't know what time this will go out, but it was live when we recorded it. Uh, so basically kind of 50-50 then, uh, pretty much. Both drivers could have avoided it. Um, do you think that's the right call, John? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd surprised didn't at least get a reprimand or something for for behaviour. It's not not particularly acceptable that you know no further action is taken when when cars are colliding at, at such a speed. Um, and also, um, you know, this was a high speed this was a high speed corner, and both drivers should have been aware of where the other drivers were as well. So I'm, I am a little bit surprised, but I think in the end it was right that neither driver was singled out for punishment because it was. Um, six of one and a half a dozen of the other but um, yeah surprise there's been no no form of even a slap over the wrists there we are no further action on the Stroll and Verstappen case Um, but Stroll of course will eventually we assume be in that midfield battle with Racing Point uh, McLaren and well Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz McLaren at Racing Point both looked relatively good in the the earlier practice session Charles Leclerc's looked up there as well uh, and Daniel Ricciardo's been fast at various points in in FP1 and FP2 um, so this is set up to be another you know very very heated midfield battle isn't it well, it's been heated midfield battle all season, uh, actually, and it's quite hard. To, I think today's especially scrappy, as we said earlier. I think we didn't really see full potential. We saw Daniel Ricciardo um, on, on a quick lap got bulked by one of the Williamses as he came out of the pits. Um, quite tricky down there at Turn 1. Uh, and the disrupted FP2 especially, but we haven't seen the proper pace of the car. And I think the track's not not very well rubbered in. Um, a few drivers have called it like an ice rink, complaining about lack of grip. So I think there's a lot of 
a lot of um, potential to come yet, a lot of grip to come from the circuit. Um, and the other aspect is the wind direction, because we know, for example, the McLaren's very sensitive to, to wind and especially gets especially hurt if it's there's a tailwind, which there was into turn one today. So, you know, the whole midfield battle could swing basically by which direction the wind blows tomorrow and Sunday. A literal uh, representation of that <laughs> phrase. So uh, we, we look forward to seeing that. It's always uh, great to see the midfield action uh, in play. Um, and those, well, four teams contesting the battle for what is third place in the championship. It's been heated all season, as John said. So we look forward to seeing that. But further down the grid and off track, uh, there was the team principals uh, press conference today. And There's been various rumours about George Russell's future at Williams. Sergio Perez has been linked to the team. And Simon Roberts just happened to be in the team principal's uh, press conference. But he didn't want to design a rumours, John. Uh, His response of nothing's changed was very similar to what Ofmar Snafsal was saying uh, when Sebastian Vettel was being linked to Racing Point earlier in the season. What do you think of this, John? Is it going to get a little bit messy? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's no smoke without fire when rumours turn around. Some can get shot down. The ones that are incorrect will, you know, often get shot down very, very quickly and you quite easily put to bed. Um, and Williams today, their tactic was to basically didn't want to talk about it, which is fair enough. You know, teams don't have to talk about stories they don't particularly want to talk about. Um, but if you want to put some some rumour to bed and want to say there's nothing in it, then the easiest way to do it is to confirm that it's not true by saying that we are going to keep both our drivers for next year so when you fall short of doing that and you've been offered plenty of opportunity um then it's obvious that something is up um and i guess it just boils down to a simple simple money decision that if the team feels that um the income it needs more income next year because remember we've still got a although we're having a full 17 race season this year that the, the income isn't going to be as high as it is during a normal campaign the F1's lost the race hosting fees for the majority of the, the campaign. Team's budgets are going to get hit by tens of millions of dollars as a result heading into next year. So teams are going to need to find a way to recoup some of that. And if you're in Williams's situation, especially with new owners who've come in and spent a lot of money on a team, and you've got a driver like Perez knocking on the door with good sponsorship backing, decent experience, ready to commit for two, three or four years, um, against the driver like George Russell, who's there will be a contribution as part of the Mercedes engine deals. He's part of the Mercedes Young Driver program, but you know the potential is that by the end of next year, George could get moved up to Mercedes. You've lost your investment in George anyway. Then maybe Williams are looking, maybe Williams are looking longer term. So, however cruel it is if George Russell does lose his seat, you can also understand it from Williams' perspective why there is an attraction if Sergio Perez is knocking on the door. Certainly. Uh, Money talks in Formula One, as it always has done. Uh, Obviously, Nicholas Latifi isn't, uh, we expect, cited for the chop because he brings quite a lot of money from uh, from Canada. So his seat looks relatively secure for now. But John, looking at the top once again, uh, heading into qualifying tomorrow, who would you say is your pick for pole? Basically, it's usually a straight fight between uh, two drivers on the grid. But do you think anyone else has a chance? No, not here. I think the, the Mercs hit the ground running. Even today, without running DAS, for example, which you would expect them to slightly upset the car or need, you know, need a little bit of work to recover to get the balance sorted or changes from that. It's made no difference just as quick. In fact, look quicker relative to Red Bull than they were at Nürburgring. So I think it's a straight fight between Valtteri and Lewis, and then you can toss a coin. Um, 
let's go for Valtteri because I think he's quite fired up. He's got nothing to lose. Um, he's hit the ground running today. And I think just maybe that edge is enough to, to keep him there tomorrow. Brilliant. Thank you very much, John. Uh, and stick with us for through all the weekend for all of the news and reaction from the Portuguese Grand Prix, which will be with you on Sunday. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining us. Well, thanks to John and JBL for their thoughts and thanks to everybody listening. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out yesterday and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There will be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport podcast. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering professional-grade industrial supplies, plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.